0: You're listening to The Cathedral Podcast. To learn more about cathedral-like service times or how to get connected with a small group, visit wearcathedral.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Eddie Tilley. Well, how many of you were here last week and heard the big news? Yes, yes, okay, okay, not a lot of you. Let me, let me kind of give you the quick rundown. We found out last week from our senior pastor, Mike Lewis, that we are in the final year of a transition, of transitioning from him being the senior pastor to the next generation of Meg, Luke, Macy, and Dave being lead pastors. And there was a lot that he unpacked there. And it really is a lot like a relay race when you think about it. It's like Pastor Mike has been running this ball since 1988, I believe it is. So we're in that area where the transition is about to happen, so he's in the front. The baton is behind him, his hand is on it, their hands are on it, and he's about to cut that loose and set those suckers free to run their leg of the race. But he's not going anywhere, right? I mean, when you go to a relay, the guy who runs the baton first, he when he passes it off, he doesn't head for the exit, right? He goes to where the rest of the team is and he's cheering whoever's running now, running around the track. He's cheering the next level of generation that's going to take the baton from those guys. So he's not going anywhere. He'll become the founding pastor of Cathedral. And so he revealed to us how that process happened, which was about three years ago. Our board of elders, board of trustees, which consists of about seven pastors of other churches, lovingly posed this question to him or made this statement to him more like it. Mike, you're not getting any younger. Now we'll say, my man looks dang good for turning 70 this year. Yes, he does, he does. So the question was posed, what, who is that next generation? What does that handoff look like? And so they, together with the Board of Trustees, Got together and figured out who that was going to be. And then you can't just, you know, there's lots of different ways to do a transition. A lot of different churches do it different ways. But one of the values that has always been on Cathedral that goes not just for the leadership at that level, but it goes all the way down into every ministry of the church. That is that your gift will make a way. So it's not a matter of us deciding. It really is a matter of us trying to figure out who has that gift and then creating an opportunity to see, is that gift there? So he revealed that about three years ago, he pulled back from his leadership about 25 percent just to create a vacuum to see, is this gift on them? So it wasn't a matter where he kind of stepped back and said, hey, y'all get in there and do that. It literally was a situation where he kind of created the vacuum just to see, are they going to step into that? Do they recognize a the gift on their life enough to, in my absence in these areas, to step in and pick that ball up and go with it? And it went well. And so the next year he pulled back another 25 percent. So now he was at 50 percent. And again, you need to see, is that gift operating? Is it rising to the surface? And most of us had no idea that was even going on and there was a reason for that because had they created that vacuum and had that gift not been there, now they could drop back as as senior pastor and trustees and again, look and see who is there, who is the Lord moving into that spot and we would be none the wiser. There would be no sense of any ball being dropped or anything like that. But it continued to progress until last year he stepped back another 25%, which made it 75%. And we even had a little joke about that because that entailed a lot of his speaking. And it got to the place to where we, instead of having to introduce to you our guest speakers, got to the point to where Pastor Mike spoke, we needed to introduce him to you and say, hey, this is our senior pastor. <laughs> Because he wasn't speaking as much, because that is a part of it. It's a small part of it. It's not all of it. There's a lot more that happens, and Pastor Mike will stay involved in all those arenas. He will be a part of that board of trustees for this church. He will continue to sit on the board of our school. So there's a lot of different arenas where he and Miss Dean now, what's exciting about it is not only are these guys as lead pastors moving into a new arena... Pastor Mike and Miss Dean are moving into a new arena. And it really does parallel a lot like parenting and grandparenting. You know, when you send your children to the grandparents' house, grandparents don't have to worry so much about raising them and do all the rules. It's just about we're going to have a good time. I'm going to cheer them suckers on and just have a blast with them. And so that's kind of the level that they're moving into, just that high-end encouragement and being that safety net there should they need to step in in any arena. So that's exciting for us. And so as we went through that and as we were thinking about this weekend, when I found out I was speaking this weekend earlier this week, Um, I just started asking the Lord, I was like, okay, so what, for those of you that were here last weekend, the the life in the room was phenomenal. Everybody was just so excited about it. And I was like, you know, we need to, to keep that going. So when we look at this transition phase that we're in, of which we're in the final year of it now... What does that look like? And I really felt like what we needed to talk about was how to level up. Like, how do we position ourselves in such a way that we maximize this transition because this isn't just a a at-the-top thing. So that has happened with them where Pastor Mike created this vacuum, which pulled them up. But then by them stepping up, that creates a vacuum underneath them. And that goes all the way down, all the way down to those of us that are sitting in this room this morning through all levels of ministry. And so God is doing something. It is a big, big deal. So how do we position ourselves to where we make sure we maximize our life in this transition? Because we don't wanna just willy nilly it. We don't wanna just sit back and hope something good comes out of it for us. We wanna make sure we get ourselves in the position where God can bless us as he's blessing them. So in doing that, I thought, you know what? The best thing you can do when you're trying to figure out what to do is to go see, has anybody ever done this before? Does there happen to be a place in the Bible where this has happened? And one of my favorite ones that we're going to look at first is the transition of leadership to Joshua. Joshua was transitioning into leadership to replace Moses. Can you imagine stepping into those shoes So Moses has been leading this crowd for 40 years. The time now has come for the the nation of Israel to enter into the promised land. And God says, Joseph, you're my man. Uh, I'm sorry, Joshua, you're my man. You are going to lead them into the promised land. And what we know through these verses that we're about to read is uh, Joshua is having a little bit of hesitation just like we all would. I mean, imagine being in Joshua's shoes. I mean, this, life's been pretty good following Moses. I mean, this, watch what Moses has been doing has been phenomenal. And when he's the top guy and he's the one having to go get the words from God and he's the one having to come back and kind of give us instructions, that's great. But now all of a sudden when it's, all right, Joshua, it's your turn. There's no middleman now, you and God, you and me. We're gonna do this together. We know he was a little bit afraid because of the very first couple of words in this verse, in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. And then he goes on. Be careful to obey all the law, my servant Moses. Another word for law there is revelation. So all the revelation, law, my servant Moses gave you, do not turn from it. From to the right or to the left, so that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law or this book of God's revelation always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, again, Be strong and courageous. And then we see what's going on with Joshua. Do not be afraid. Evidently, there was some fear. And do not be discouraged. Evidently, he's just thinking, I don't know that I have what it's going to take to do this. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So what we see from this passage here in the transfer from Moses to Joshua, that a major, major component to Joshua handling this transition and handling it well is God's word. And there's two different pieces to God's word here. There was the word that was spoken to Moses. That's called a rhema word. God has rhema words that he gives us that he speaks to our hearts. Now, it never goes against his written word. It always lines up with his written word. But for instance, there are several words that were spoken to Pastor Mike about cathedral. His history before starting this church was he had been an associate pastor in several other churches, Pentecostal Holiness, Southern Baptists. And one of the words that the Lord spoke to him was, do not recreate anywhere that you've been. So you've seen how these other places operate, but I'm not calling you to reproduce where you've been. I'm doing something new. The other word that the Lord spoke to Pastor Mike's heart is if you keep your hands off of it, I will build my church. And this transition that we're in is a major component of that or piece of that. Because Pastor Mike didn't just wake up one day and said, you know what, I'm tired. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna peace out and let y'all peace in. That's not that's not the way it went. This is a situation where everything that Pastor Mike does in his life, that again, kind of the running staff joke is he's not gonna make a decision quickly on anything, ever. Because he's going to take whatever he thinks and whatever he feels and he's going to sit down with the word and he's going to make time to hear the Lord speak to him. And if he does not hear the Lord say move, he's not moving. At the same token, when he hears the Lord say move, then he's going to move. And so this first piece that has to do with the word of God, that is so important for us today because we learn In Hebrews 4.12, the the word of God is alive and living and sharper than any two-edged sword, and it divides even down to soul and spirit. Why is that important? Because you and I are made in the image of God. We are spirit, soul, and body. Now, for the sake of this argument, we don't need to use the body for this part, so I'm dropping your body. Everybody say amen. Praise Jesus. Dropping the body. I'm good with that. Yeah, because these bodies are only good for while we're here because we are a spirit and we have a soul and we live in a body. And this body is for here on earth. But one day we're leaving this earth and this body stays behind and we get to get a new body. And it's an awesome body. You know the greatest thing about these new bodies? <laughs> greatest thing ever because we got, to, we got a little preview. Because Jesus rose from the dead in his glorified body, his new body. He's hanging out with disciples for like 30 days after his resurrection. And they're talking. They're talking about what's going to happen. What's the plan? All that. But you know what else they were doing? They were eating. Yes, these new bodies, we still get to eat. Can anybody say amen? Thank you, Jesus. And we ain't worried about calories and fat grams and sugar grams and all that. They was eating and sharing a meal and Jesus, my man, was eaten in that glorified body. So we need that word because our soul is what we think and feel. So before you know God or have a relationship with with God, the Bible says that spiritually we're dead. So we can't We can't operate out of our spirit. We don't have any kind of revelation coming to us from God. There's no communication there because we haven't taken that step of asking Christ to come into our life. When we do that spiritually, now we come alive and all of a sudden we have an opportunity for God to speak to us. So until we get there, we live our lives out of our soul, what we think and what we feel. That's all that we have to work with. But the moment we get saved and now we find this new arena, this new avenue that we now have access to the spirit of God and God's Holy Spirit in us. And his job is to lead us, is to guide us, is to to reveal God's word to us. That's why a lot of times for people who have not asked Christ to come into their heart, when they read the Bible, it just doesn't make sense to them. And that's not their fault. It's because that part that is missing, the piece that they need, which is the Holy Spirit, is not there. But the moment you get Christ in your heart, spiritually you come alive. You have God's Holy Spirit in you and He begins to reveal things to you. So you literally can get saved. You can ask Christ to come into your heart. And if you never open the Bible again, you're still going to go to heaven saved. But your life here is literally going to be hell on earth. Because when we live our lives out of our soul, what we think and feel, we quickly find out exactly what the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, which is there is a way that seems right to a person, to us, what we think and what we feel. But in the end, it leads to death. But then in Psalms, it says, but the word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And in Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, look, understand the two distinctives. Understand that you have a soul that is trying to get you to act upon what you think and feel. But you also have the spirit of God in you. And it says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding In all of your ways acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So we need to have that understanding that and our souls are not bad. Souls are not a bad thing. Souls are given to us by God. And what God does is when we're born again and the spirit of God comes in, he begins to do what the Bible calls redeem our soul, renew our soul. Because those times when you have incredible encounters with God and maybe you cry or maybe you feel joy, whatever it is, it's our soul that expresses that. Those emotions come out of our soul and they're wonderful and they're joyous when we're with family and friends and the laughter. Those are all good things that come out of our soul. But when all we have is our soul, it's just so bleak. This past week on Tuesday, I got two phone calls within 30 minutes of two different people who'd taken their own life. One of them, the mother of a young teenager, the other one, an 18-year-old girl. Because where they were at and whatever was going on, there was no hope. And this world does not have any hope to offer us. The only hope that we can ever find in this life and in any situation is in God's word. So we see from Joshua that the the Lord is telling Joshua, look, pay attention, remember, and do not forget what Moses said to you about what I spoke to him. And then do not let this Bible depart from you. And for Joshua, it's fairly easy. This was it. All Joshua had was these first five books of the Bible that Moses himself had written. So God was saying that is going to serve to guide you. Don't be afraid. Don't be scared. Be courageous. Be strong because I'm going to be with you. I'm going to go with you, but you're going to have to keep this in front of you at all times. Because your soul is going to continually be trying to get you off track. Your emotions are going to get involved. And when your emotions get involved, they can be so strong and powerful, you're going to have to bring those up to the word of God and not act on those emotions until you hold them up against my word and see, is that what I'm supposed to do? So Joshua gets that download from God. And then he takes it and he gives it to the leaders of all the people. And now this was their response back to Joshua. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Church was a lot stricter back then. (laughs) And no, for those of you out there going, hey, I want to be a part of that ministry. We don't have, that's not a ministry. Uh, we don't have that. We don't, we don't, we don't, we're not putting anybody to death, okay? And then I, this is what I love about this because you saw that God, and you know God knows our heart, right? So God knew that Joshua was struggling. That's why he said, be courageous and be strong. Don't be afraid. Don't be worried. But they didn't, they didn't hear that from Joshua. They just heard the commands of how we're going to take the land. But then they say the very last line to Joshua, Only be strong and courageous. So even they could see something in Joshua of maybe just an apprehension or a fear or maybe an insecurity of not knowing whether he could step into it. And so they did what we all need to do in these transition times. And that is number one is honor God's word. Honor God's word and honor God's leaders because these are God-appointed leaders. These are not men-appointed leaders. God chose Joshua And I'm confident in the next leaders of this church, God chose them. And so we need to honor the word and we need to honor the leaders. All right, Eddie, well, that's some good Old Testament stuff. Well, what about now? Well, I'm glad you asked me that. Because in Ephesians, we find out from Paul that just as there was this transition from Moses to Joshua for the children of God to go into the promised land, there was a transition from Jesus to us. To complete a mission. And that mission was this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Repeat it with me if you know it. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came and for three and a half years in his ministry here on earth, he came to show us the heart of the father because the people of that day didn't have a good picture of God. They had a picture of a vengeful God, a wrathful God, an angry God, a God that was keeping track of every single little thing they did wrong and was just adding them up tick by tick by tick. And Jesus came. And he had to show them who God really was, that he was compassionate, that he was merciful, that he was gracious, that his desire in his will was that nobody should ever perish and that nobody should ever not be in his presence. And he made it very clear. He said, the time is going to come and I'm going to go to the cross. So yes, there's sin in the world and yes, there's sin in you. But by my going to the cross and voluntarily allowing myself to be killed as an innocent sacrifice, now you can be forgiven of all your sins. Not only you, but the entire world will have access to that forgiveness and have access to be able to step into the presence of God. They'll be saved here on this earth now, but their eternity will be set. And so now Jesus has to get us prepared for that because the way Jesus did that was through the Holy Spirit. When Jesus was baptized in the water, he came up out of the water and the Holy Spirit came on him. And it was through that Holy Spirit that he taught about the kingdom of God, that he explained the kingdom of God in a way that people could understand the heart and the nature of God. He healed people. He prayed for people. He delivered people. He did all those things through the Holy Spirit. And then he went to the cross and he died. And when he was resurrected, Now he's with his disciples. He's been risen from the dead. They're finally beginning to connect the dots because they hadn't connected the dots up until then. It wasn't until he was resurrected that all of a sudden they got it. And now he begins to lay out the plan. Guys, here's the plan. This world is condemned. This world is dying and everyone in it. And so we have X amount of time and we have to rescue as many people as we can. So I have to go. I have to go back and be with my father and I'm going to be preparing a place for you while I'm there. But when I go, the reason I'm going is because God is going to send the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that was in me. Same Holy Spirit that empowered me to do everything that I've been doing. And he now is going to come into every single believer, every single person that puts their faith in Christ. So that now God's kingdom can come and his will can be done on earth as it is in heaven. A lot of times people say, well, why doesn't God just go ahead and eradicate it, be over with be done with it? Well, that's going to be a great day and that day is coming. And that's what the day that the Jews are looking for. That's why they missed Jesus as the Messiah. Because in their minds, when the Messiah comes, he's destroying evil once and for all. It's going to be a done deal. We'll never have to deal with it again. And he's going to put everything back right the way it was supposed to be in the beginning. That day is coming. But the day that God does that, the day that God says that is it, and there is a day, there is an appointed time. The day he says it is over, the doors shut, and there's no, more, there's no more rescue for us. Those doors shut because now the Spirit of God is coming, and the Spirit of God is going to judge, and the Spirit of God is going to destroy evil. And so right now the doors are open. The doors are wide open and Jesus is saying to us, we have to get them in. We have to get them in. It's just like a lifeboat. We have to get as many as we can in because time is running out. And that is the role of the church. So I wanna give to you from Paul the structure of the church. And we're gonna begin in Ephesians chapter four because again, the transfer was made from Moses to Joshua and now the transfer is made from Jesus to us, the church. He's still the head, He's still the head of the church, but he's operating through us, through you and me. And so here's the way Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. He says, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers to equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. What is mature? Attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So the role of the church is that as you get involved, as you become a part of the body, as you submit your life to Christ and you get involved in a community, the church community, you begin to get more mature. What's it look like when you're more mature? You have more of the heart that Jesus had. You handle things the way Jesus handled them. You get a better clarity and understanding of of what is going on in the world and how you can help fight against the wickedness and the evil in the world. He says, then we'll no longer be infants. Who is an infant? They're tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. So by that, we see that there are people that will deceitfully Try to be a church. That's easy to see in some false religions like Scientology. That's a false religion. But you have leaders in there who are deceiving people purposefully for their own gain. But can I tell you, there's also churches out there where the pastors are not lining up their teachings with the word of God. That's why you have to be so careful about making sure you're in a church where the spirit of God is leading and guiding He said instead, rather than being blown back and forth, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. So there's a growth process that happens and become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So from this passage, we see that there are a set of gifts given by Jesus himself for the leadership of the church. They are the prophets, the apostles, the pastors, the evangelists, and the teachers. Now, again, I want to point out, these are God-given gifts. These are not self-appointed gifts. Okay, one of the things that gets me excited about this new season is Pastor Mike moving into this calling of being an apostle. I've always kind of seen that gift on him because over the years we would have guest speakers come in, pastors from other churches, and without fail, every one of them would end up making this comment at some some point along their stay here at Cathedral. They would make this exact same comment and none of them knew each other. They would say, man, you're a pastor? He's a pastor's pastor. In other words, he, he ministered to them. And that's what an apostle is. Paul was an apostle. He was a pastor to pastors. And so while Pastor Mike has been the senior pastor of Cathedral for so many years, now he enters into an arena where he can have that apostolic ministry here at Cathedral, but also with other pastors in the area and helping them, which is an exciting thing. But we have to recognize that there is a purpose for the church and there is a structure for the church. Like I don't, I don't ever listen to anybody that tells me I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm a pastor. I'm a teacher. Like if you come to me and tell me that, I'm not going to say I don't believe you. But the way that we do that here at Cathedral is, again, your gift will make a way. So if you come and tell me that, I'm not going to deny you. I'm going to say, well, what needs to happen is you need to get involved and get in ministry so that we can see that gift operate. And, and, and lately, I've been running into a lot of people that have been coming up to me and telling me, I just want to let you know I'm a prophet I got the gift of prophet, God's deemed me a prophet, and here's my first telltale that they ain't a prophet. Most of them are very religious, very judgmental, and got a lot to say about the way we do church. Now, let me tell you, that is an Old Testament prophet, right? In the Old Testament, yeah, yeah, the prophets, they can get downright mean sometimes. Because you know, the children, they be acting up, acting fool and everything, and God have to go tell the prophet, go straighten their behinds out. They need a little swat on the bottom. Get them straight out, get their attention. In the New Testament, the gift of prophecy does not work like that. Paul very clearly says in the New Testament that the gift of prophecy is to build up and edify the church. That is the gift of prophecy. So it works across the board that these are not self-appointed gifts. And here's the reason I'm bringing all of this up about the church is because we're in an age where the church and the purpose of it is just getting watered down so much. And when I was at the home of the young 18-year-old girl after the funeral, we were at the house with friends and family. There was a young man there, and I just got to talking to him. And he made this comment to me. He said, um, he said man, we just went through this three weeks ago with my little brother. And I just, man, it just broke my heart. And he said, yeah, my girlfriend and I, in the last year, we've lost six friends. You don't want to hear about any of this. Nobody's talking about it. But it broke my heart for him. But he said, but you know, the thing I'm glad about with my little brother is I know where he is. Because the week before he did what he did, he went to the pastor of the church that we grew up in and asked to speak to him. And in that meeting, he gave his heart to Jesus. So I know where he's at. And I was like, man, I'm so excited for her. I said, so you're a Christian. He goes, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I don't go to church. My dad taught me I'm going to go sit in a church and throw money in a plate for God to use me. And I was, I mean, obviously there was some, there was a little heat on that. You know what I mean? And he was watching me. He wanted to see what you got to say about that. You know, I just, my, I'm not going to open up all kind of theology on him there in somebody's living room. I said, man, I'm just glad you know Jesus. That I'm so glad for your little brother. But what I picked up on is, you know, this guy, he's been damaged in church. Somehow he hasn't been taught properly the role of the church and why the church is there. That the church is there for his good and not to harm him that is is to grow and develop him and is to help him find out what we're about to look at in Romans which is the truth that there's a gift on his life just like there's a gift on your life so we just looked at the leadership gifts that God gives apostles prophets pastors teachers evangelists those are leadership gifts those are the chiefs all right everybody can't be a chief so the rest of us we're Indians all right we got work we got to get done, right? Things need to happen. So, the role of the leadership is to equip us to do the work of the ministry. So, then Paul goes in and he says, So, let me show you these other gifts that God has for the church. He says, Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function. In other words, you have a physical body, and you've got a hand, you've got feet, you've got eyes, you've got a nose, you got everything performs a different function. So, in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to who? All the others. That's right. You ain't. You don't belong to yourself no more. I really do look at church like a marriage. It really is the same thing. Like I'll get into that in a minute. I get sidetracked. Um, do not perform the same function. We all belong to each other. Yes, we have different gifts according to the grace given each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. Act. Giving is a gift. So that's not tithing. We're all under the mandate of tithing. That's something that God set up. God said, look, here's the deal. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you the ability to work and to earn a living. And so what I'm asking you to do is as that money comes in, that to recognize me as being your source and your provider, that you set aside that first percent." that comes in for me it's for me it's for my kingdom God said that he said that's mine so what I'm going to do is when you give that to me now this cursed world that you live in that tries to take away your finances that tries to come at you in all these different directions I move into your life like an umbrella and I get between you and that curse and I protect the 90% that you that you have And now it goes further than the 100% if you wouldn't have given that to me because when you don't give me that 10, you're robbing me. And I know you don't want to rob me. I know that's not your desire. You just don't understand how it works. And the way it works is it all belongs to me. Literally. I'm just asking you for that first 10. And in response to you giving that 10, I pour out so much blessing on your life that you don't have room enough to contain it. That's why it's the only thing that God says test me in this because he understands the battle and the struggle there. But this giving gift is completely different. This means that God has specifically gifted some people to be very successful in business, in the world, making a lot of money. And not just for themselves, it's so that they can have a comfortable living, but so that they can be a blessing to the church and help the church accomplish the mission that God has given it. And so there's the giving that we're all under with the tithing, and then there is the gift of giving. And so that is, let me, let me just give you my view of the church in terms of it being like a marriage. I think the greatest thing that has hindered the church is our mobility. It's our ability to leave. You and I live in a day and age where if we don't like what's happening here, we can jump in the old car, drive a couple miles down the road, and we can go somewhere else. Back in the day, not an option. You oh you live in Philippi, the church is over there. You live in Ephesus, the church is at one church. That's all you got, but it served such a, it, it was so much more effective because now you can't run. It's the only place you got to go. This is your church that God has put you in, and I'm a firm believer that when God has called you to a church, He's caught. Now I don't it doesn't mean that He can't move you, move you that things don't come up. But here's the way I look at it. My life where it is right now, I am gifted as a pastor and as a teacher in this church, okay, in this church, in this body where God has called me. If something were to happen, if for some reason we had to leave, I don't want to leave, but say my wife gets some weird allergy and we can't live in this swamp down here that we live in anymore. (laughs) Now we got to move out to Colorado where the air is fresher and cleaner. The first thing I'm going to do is find a good spirit filled church and start going to church. And I'm going to immediately jump in and get involved. But what I'm not going to do is say, hey, I'm a pastor. Hey, I'm a teacher because I might not be that there. See, God gives the gifts. We don't give the gifts. God is the giver of gifts. So now when I land there, I'm not going in there saying, hey, you got a job opening for a pastor. I'm going to figure out where I can work and make some money. I'm not going to apply to be a pastor at a church because I don't know that I have that gift for another church. And I'm sure not going to put that in the hands of men to figure out. So I'm going to get involved in ministry and do the same thing I've done here for the past three decades. And as is every place as you move along, your gift that is on your life is recognized. Nobody saw me as a pastor back in 1990 when I started coming to cathedral. The very first gift I ever found out about was was drama, being on the stage. Never knew I had that. If you would have said, Eddie, hey, we need you. Well, she did. uh, Miss Dean came up to me and said, hey, we got a drama ministry. We'd love for you to be in it. I said, "Uh uh-uh, no. Not doing it. 100% not doing it. I'm not. You don't know me, see. See, before I was saved, I was like a lone wolf. Like, it's kind of me, myself, and I. So, and getting in front of people, absolutely not. 100% no. I hadn't learned the whole submit to leadership thing yet. Okay, I I hadn't taught. I hadn't been taught all that. I did it in a very nice and kind way. The problem I had was Miss Dean wasn't looking at me thinking, oh, I think that guy would be pretty good. The Holy Spirit told her, you got to get that guy in drama. So the problem with Miss Dean, when the Holy Spirit tells her something, is she won't let it go. <laughs> She's like a daggone pit bull. And she just stayed on it and stayed on it. And she was like, you know, just do this one. I'll, you'll have two lines, just two lines. That's all you got to do. And so I said, okay, all right, I'll do it. And in saying that, I found out that a, I could memorize lines and dramas like, like nothing, like it was, just came easy. And then when I got on the stage, I didn't have to change my clothes when I got off the stage, which is what I thought I was going to have to do. Everything was good. I mean, I didn't have this, like it didn't just absolutely lock me up, which is what I thought was going to happen. And then that just led to another thing. I was volunteering in the children's ministry. And just along and along, you have these gifts that just begin to make a way. And they could change at any moment. It really is like a marriage because I see so many times, gosh, I see so many times. If These passages that we read, what you saw in there was God saying, look, this isn't just for the body at large. It's for you too. You, you, have, you have this redemptive factor in you. You've got this thing in you that I want to foster, that I want to encourage, but you've got to stay with it. But what I see happen so many times is when it's good, anybody can stay when it's good. That's always great, but sooner or later, you are going to get offended. You are, it's just a fact of life. And God has set up the church in such a way to help you navigate that and walk through it in a way that on the other side of it, you are so much better than you were. And now God has healed something on the inside. That's why when you go through our process of joining the church, we're gonna say, do you feel like God's called you here? Because if you say yes, then we're behind you a thousand percent. But if you come into my office and you say, Eddie, I feel like the Lord spoke to me and told me I got a style time for me to go. Oh, gosh, really? I wonder why. Well, music's too loud. <laughs> Pretty sure that God don't do that. God doesn't make you leave by getting the music too loud. God doesn't make you leave. by saying, oh, I don't like that preaching. I don't like that. That's not the deal. That is not the deal. This is your family. When God joins you here, you are family and divorce is not an option. I say it's not an option. You can make that choice. But can I just tell you, gosh, don't do it. Don't do it. I've had two different scenarios here that were woo scenarios I don't ever want to go through again. But I stuck with it because I can't leave here. Because God spoke to me plain as day and said, Eddie, this is your church. So I can't leave. I cannot. I cannot. Unless God moves me. And here's why this is so important. One last scripture. And we're going we're to wrap it up. This comes, uh, this comes out of Hebrews And I found this verse when we were doing the 21 days of prayer um, last year. And we were praying for the pastors and leaders of the church. And I know I've read this verse before, but it just never stood out to me the way it did this time. Because when I read it, I I saw something. I was like, ooh, that's a big deal. And this is um, in verse 17 of chapter 13. It says, have confidence in your leaders. We're coming back around full circle, just like with Joshua, just like Jesus laid out in the New Testament. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. So there's a real seriousness there for people who do become pastors and teachers that you are held accountable. That what you are teaching, that the way you are pastoring is a way that honors God do this, and here's the part I've never really paid attention to, do this so their their work will be a joy and not a burden. And here's the line that I was like, ooh, for that would be of no benefit to you. In other words, God says, look, I'm going to put you in this church and I'm going to have this structure of leaders around you and I'll, I'll take care of them. You don't worry about them. You submit to them and you do it in such a way that they love doing what they do. Because if you don't and it's not going to be a good day for you. A lot of you just heard your mom and dad right there in that sentence. It is not going to turn out well for you. And that really is true. But what is behind it is this compassionate heart that God has is for you to find that place to discover. Church was never meant to be just a Sunday thing. This is meant to be a community thing. We've got, we've got wonderful life groups in this church that became life groups because they were people that were in ministry together. And by doing ministry together, they built relationships and they got to know each other. And now they truly do life together. Some of them, they're not doing the same ministry anymore, but they're still in that life group doing life together because that that is what God wants for you. He wants you to find that tribe, so to speak, that group of people that you can go to no matter what. I can look across this congregation and, and immediately pick out 20 people that I know for a fact. I could call up for anything, anything, and they would come to my aid at the drop of a hat. But that didn't happen in a year. It didn't happen in two. It didn't happen in 5 years. I'm on year 30. But it, the goal is is that it builds every year. You add a face here, you add a face there. You get to know more people. You get more connected. And now not only are you building a community that can help strengthen you and be there for you, but now also you are helping that happen in other people. And now God is moving through you and now God is ministering through you. And now the church is truly doing what Jesus called it to do, to be salt, to be light, to be a place of hope, to be a place of life. The very reason that worship was so good this morning is that you all came in and you turned your hearts and your focus on God. And in doing so, God says, I come and I inhabit the praises of my people. And because you engaged with God, somebody probably sitting right next to you or right around you, it was hurting so bad that you don't even know, but they touched the presence of God and God ministered to them. But he ministered to them because of the way that you came in and the way that you opened up your heart to God in that worship. I, Eddie, that, all, that all sounds good. I get that, but, but how does that happen? Well, I'm gonna tell you how it happens. And you're gonna say, I knew that. Y'all been saying that for so long, but I'm gonna say it again. It's called the growth track. Chuckle, chuckle, yes. I know y'all hear that all the time. But here's the thing. I wanna take a minute to explain the growth track because a lot of times people hear growth track and I've had people make this comment to me. Well, Eddie, I don't need that. I've been a Christian for like 15 years. It has nothing to do with growth in terms of you being a baby Christian growing to a mature Christian. Growth track is just the term used for the ministry of helping you take that first step of getting plugged in here. Because what I'm talking about, the way God designed the church to be and the role that it plays can't happen just on attending on Sunday morning. It has to take a next level. It has to take a next step. It's just like a video game. You know, the way you level up in a video game is you have to complete this level that you're at, right? and then you move up to the next level. When you move up to the next level, the challenges are harder, the obstacles are bigger, but you're equipped for it because you handled it here. And now you step into a new level, you level up and we're in a transition period where people need to level up and people are leveling up all over the place here, but we need more. We need you. There's nobody sitting in this room that can say, Eddie, you really don't need me because that is just not true every single one of you that God has called here, you hold a special place in this church and in this ministry. So I just encourage you, take that next step. That's the reason Growth Track is the next step for everything because that's where you find out why do we do church the way that we do church? Why are weekend services done the way that they're done? That's where you find that out. It's where you find out how to begin to discover those gifts that you have. Gifts with an S plural because you have more than one. We get you started on that track of finding out what those gifts are. We get you started on that track of finding out how do I live my life more out of my spirit and less out of my soul? All of that is in there. And that's why we need you to jump in there and do that. So I just invite you to do that. Come next Sunday. It's at 1030 in the chapel. You can register online or you can just show up. I told nine o'clock service, just get up and walk straight back there. You can just go show up. That's all you have to do. So let me back up to one more, one more thing before we go. I made the comment at the first of the service and I got a feeling somebody might be in here and say, Eddie, all that stuff you said sounds good, but that sounds a lot like, you know, y'all are somewhere I'm not. You made this comment and I've kind of been stuck there since that part of the service. You said that if I don't take that step and if I don't have Christ in my life, then spiritually there's something missing there. And so I can't figure this out and you're exactly right. But what I want to do is give you the opportunity to correct that because it's super easy it's super easy the bible says if you confess with your mouth that jesus is lord and believe with all your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved it literally says that jesus stands at the door of your heart and knocks and if you open up the door he will come in and it's something supernatural that happens i cannot explain it all to you but i can tell you it forever changes your life And now it gives you now access to something you never had access to before. And that is the spirit and the power of God working in your life. So if you would, if everybody would just bow their heads, close your eyes. And what I'm going to do is those of you that are in the room, if if that's you, if you feel like the Lord literally is knocking on the door of your heart, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in a minute. And nobody's going to be looking around because we want to respect your privacy and we don't want to embarrass you. And then we're going to have the whole room pray a prayer. And, and we're all going to pray it together again so that you're not kind of singled out. But that prayer literally is going to be for you. And when you pray that prayer, God is going to come into your life. And so if you're here this morning and you say, you know what, I, I do, Eddie. I feel, I can feel that God is knocking on my heart and I need to open up that door to Him. Would you just raise your hand and just let me see Your hand, thank you. Up in the balcony, thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. Here in the middle in the balcony, thank you. And over here to my right in the balcony, thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. A lot of people raise their hands. If you just keep your eyes closed and your heads bowed for just a moment. If anybody else, if you did not raise your hand that time, but you do feel that, you just, you just kind of need a, a push. You just kind of need some help. It's like, it's like your hand doesn't want to go up, and, and it doesn't, because there is an enemy that does not want you to raise that hand. So I'm just going to count to three, and if you did not raise your hand this time, on a count of three, if you would just raise your hand so I can see it. One, two, three. Anybody else? Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Thank you. Thank you. With all heads bowed and eyes closed, we're, we're all going to pray this prayer together. For those of us in the church, we're super excited for those of you that raise your hands because what's about to happen is that Jesus Christ himself is about to come into your life and give you a new life. So let's all repeat this prayer together. Father God, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's your son and that he died on the cross for me. I believe three days later he rose from the dead and he conquered death, hell, and the grave to give me life. Lord Jesus, I need you. Come into my heart and be my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just give those guys a big hand? <laughs> yes. That is all that matters. So I'm gonna to say to those of you that raised, especially those of you that raised your hands, again, that verse we mentioned during praise and worship, John 10:10. it says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus said, but I have come to give you life in life more abundantly. The enemy does not like that you raise your hand and you have an enemy, and he can't do anything about your salvation. That is a done deal. You are saved by Christ, cannot be undone, but the enemy hates it, and he will try to make your life miserable. So you need to go to growth track that you can find out, man, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. You need to go so you can find out that man, there's a power in Jesus Christ that conquers addictions, that breaks bondages off of my life, that sets me free. You need to go hear the truth so that the truth of God and his word can truly set you free. So if you raise your hand, you make sure you get into growth track and take that next step. Would you stand with me? Lord bless you guys, cause His face to shine upon you. I just bless you as you go with excitement, about whatever this next leg of the journey holds. I mean, we're moving into something where we had one senior pastor, now we got four people up there at the top. So that tells me, woo, the barn is about to bust open wide, man. So I bless you with an awareness and an excitement and a joy and to position yourself well to receive everything that God has for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord bless you guys, we'll see you next week. You've been listening to The Cathedral Podcast. If you are encouraged by today's message, leave us a rating and hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions about today's message or just want to reach out, send an email to questions at cathedralemail.com. Thank you for listening. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Have a blessed week.